Amen. Let's stand together and let's open our Bibles uh, together to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word today and pray that, Father, in all of our hearts, you'd let your word come alive. Father, awaken us. Awaken us to the day that we live in. Awaken us to the spiritual battles that are around us. Stir us, Father, in faith in you. Draw those who don't know your son to know him. Reveal yourself to them, we pray. And speak to our hearts in joy, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this month in your, uh, in your prayer time, in your appointment with God, and, and I hope you're making that and you're keeping it. If you're not, if you're struggling with that appointment with God, if you're struggling in setting the time or in what to do in it, please just, just email me, talk to me. Uh, I'll be glad to help you with that any way that I can. But this month, I hope that you'll take some time to think about, to meditate on the, the very glory of God himself, the, the power of God as he's revealed it to us through the Christmas story. You can read a lot about the Christmas story in Matthew and, and in Luke. But think about what God has done. God's glory is, is, when, is revealed when we see his creation and we recognize that he did this. When we see his wisdom and we recognize that he has revealed this. When we experience his power in our life, and we recognize he has done this. When those things happen, we begin to recognize the greatness and the power and the wonder of who God is, and we begin to see him not as just a step or two above us like a big brother, but we begin to see him for the awesome God that we are to reverence and that we are to fear and that we are to love. The first truth I hope that you'll see and that you'll think about as you think about God's glory revealed to us in the Christmas story is the glory revealed to us uh, about the spiritual and the spiritual world that we live in. We talked about this a little bit last week as we talked about David and how David saw the world differently he saw Goliath differently than everybody else did because he had this dual vision of being able to see the natural and the spiritual. If you missed last week, you need to get on and, and listen to that. We need to have that dual vision. We need to be able to see the natural and the spiritual. It's important to let your eyes be opened to the spiritual world. Blindness 
to the spiritual world, leaves you powerless in it, and leaves you susceptible to attack in it and and susceptible to destruction in it. It's been over 25 years ago, and there were uh, several boys who were growing up in our church. I knew them pretty well. I knew their parents very well. These boys, when they were born, had been dedicated in our church. Most likely, they had been baptized in our church. I didn't go check on that. But as the boys grew up, uh, these friends grew up, instead of being friends that sharpened each other, they were friends that encouraged each other to unrighteousness. They were in a series of, of troubles that they got into. They were uninterested in the things of God. If you were around them, the attitude they carried was they were smarter than everybody else. Everybody else was kind of out of it. You know, their, their 13 years of life experience <clears throat> gave them great insight. <clears throat> but this time, at this point in time, they'd gotten into some real trouble and had been involved in some things that were really troubling. And I was given a chance to meet and talk with the boys. I was, I was anxious to do that. I, I, I knew these boys and, and uh, felt like I had a good relationship with them. But as we sat in the room that day and talked, they readily admitted the things they'd been involved in. They, they didn't shy away from it in any way. They were very open about it. And as I talked to them about the things of God and his desire for them, the conversation was cold. Uh, the glances that they gave to one another seemed to have a spirit of mocking in it. Absolutely disinterested. The conversation moved uh, to their parents and their parents' concern for them and their parents' uh, love for them and their parents' desire uh, for them to love God and to make good choices. Uh, As I sat there in that room, I felt like I was fighting tanks with Nerf guns. The conversation was just a dead end. I felt frustrated and a bit confused as I walked out of the room. They, They should have kids growing up in church, growing up in godly families, there should be, they should have a natural desire to please their parents. That's, when that breaks down, that is a spiritual issue. When the natural desire to, to please mom and dad, something has wrecked what's natural. Something's harmed what's supposed to be continual. And I knew just from their reaction uh, to mom and dad that something was amiss. And I knew as I, as I listened to their response to the things of God that something was really out of, out of whack and I was deeply concerned. As the years have rolled by, they've continued their path. In fact, their brothers and sisters that followed after them continued that path. And I found myself, I found myself asking, why have none of these kids growing up in church, growing up and families that come to church and are faithful to church. How come none of them have any interest in God? How come none of them have any desire for God or fear of God? 
And a couple of the families, you began to see as the years have rolled by a lack of spiritual leadership. You saw as tough times came into their lives that the parents themselves fell away from the things of God. One is, as I talked to them, uh, talked to a family where one of them was making just really horrendous choices and, and said, you know, this isn't the godly path you should be walking on. What is this going to say to your children who you've been, say you've been praying for, say you want to see the... And the person told me, they've encouraged me in this. I said, well, of course they've encouraged you in it. They're not godly. You're you're justifying all of their decisions, by the way. You're making choices right now. I've watched divisions in families and found myself going, wait a second. There was a spiritual battle here that went past the children into the home. For spiritual battles to be won, they have to be fought at the source. And when we have authority, when we are raising our families, we're we're the center of it, and we either keep the enemy closed out of our families, or we leave room for the enemy to move and touch and confuse our families. Victories like these cannot be won until we are completely submitted to God. This is just a spiritual rule because any place where we don't submit to God leaves room for the enemy to move in those situations. Too many times a person who is simply religious is defined as spiritual. You'll hear people say, oh, they're really religious. Well, what makes them re- what, well, they're really spiritual. What makes them spiritual? Well, they go to church all the time. They're a member of such and such church or they're a member of this church. They, they go all the time. Listen, you can come to church all the time and not be spiritual. You're just, you can just be religious. You can read your Bible and just be religious. A spiritual person sees the interconnection between the flesh and the spirit. It's what we pray for at a moment like this. When baptism happens, this is why we tell you, if you haven't been baptized since you were born again, you need to be baptized. This is, where, this is a place where the spiritual and the natural <clears throat> interconnect. We pray for spiritual freedom and spiritual things to happen in the hearts of the people when they're baptized. This is why Paul tells us, don't take communion unless you first examined your heart and your heart is submitted to him because there's a spiritual thing going on here. There's a spiritual thing taking place. And if you do that in hypocrisy, that's a real problem. Have you ever given thought to this aspect of the spiritual around us? Have you ever given, really given thought to the Christmas story and the spiritual that's involved in the Christmas story. Sometimes I, I think it becomes simplified in, my, in our minds because of the manger scenes that we produce. You know, nothing wrong with them. We just have to understand that they're just fun. So maybe you got these little kids dressed in robes, 
and this little girl, and she's Mary, and she's got a little doll, and you got this little boy, and he's Joseph, and he comes down, and then you have the wise men come in, and the shepherds come in, and all these people, little kids in animal costumes, and maybe you have an angel or two with wings of some sort, and we all smile and think, isn't this cute? And uh, we, think of, you know, we think about, oh, this is nice what this represents. It's the Christmas story. But sometimes in the middle of it, I, I think it becomes so simplified in our thinking that we don't really think about the awesome things that are happening in the Christmas story. I mean, think about it. We talked about Zacharias just a couple of weeks ago. He's in the temple serving, and an angel shows up. A real-life angel appears. Not a little kid in a robe with wire wings tied behind his back with some sort of cloth over it. A real-life archangel of God with a message of God for Zacchaeus or Zacharias. Later, that same angel shows up to prepare Mary. This isn't about a little girl holding a doll. This is about God invading the earth. This is about God responding to the depth of our need. It's about God sending a rescuer into our life. And we can all laugh and enjoy the silly things that kids do when we put them up in the manger scene. But we better not forget there's something more deep going on in this. This is the message of a poor girl in Nazareth betrothed to a man that God is going to do something marvelous through. The angel will appear to Joseph in a dream. The Magi will follow a star and again in a dream be warned to go another way home. And a host of angels will show up and sing to the shepherds about the glory of God. And the key part of the whole story, the Holy Spirit, think about this, the Holy Spirit will overshadow Mary and speak creatively into her womb the same way the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth and life began. He will speak into her womb and a living being will be formed that will be unlike any of us because he won't be born in sin. A child shall be conceived that is holy man and holy God. This Christmas story is one of the spiritual intersecting with the natural. With God invading the natural portions of this earth to bring about his great will. We see in this story that as great as God is revealed in worldly creation, there's another realm of existence that we don't readily see every day with our physical eyes in the flesh. But at the same time, it is active and alive nonetheless. There are things going on in this spiritual realm nonetheless. The spiritual person is the one that begins to understand the impact of the spiritual world and begins to involve himself 
and the impact of that spiritual world. They begin to see you can be very religious and not be spiritual. But when you become spiritual, when you begin to understand what's going on in the unseen realms around us, in the things that happen around us, you say, well, you know, Pastor, that's great. What do you really believe? When people die, what do we think? We think their spirit goes to stand before God. We comfort ourselves that unseen things are happening at that moment. And listen, we've got to become, we've got to ask God to reveal to us, show to us in our homes, show to us in our lives, show to us in our country, what are the unseen things that are influencing the events of the day? What are the unseen things that are taking place around us? We've been going through 35 days of prayer and uh, I was given a, 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 a testimony card this week, and this is what it says. As I've been going through the 35 days of prayer, on my prayer list are my unsaved children and grandchildren. This week, I was able to lead my teenage grandchild to Christ. Talking about Jesus' love was wonderful, and praying for salvation came naturally. What had happened? This grandma had been concerned about family, had begun to spiritually move in prayer, began to lift up her family to God, and now 50, 60 days later, the door opens in the natural realm for spiritual things to take place. Listen, the Bible tells us Jesus teaches us that we need to enter into this spiritual world to recognize that this isn't just about understanding. There can be blindness of eyes. There can be deafness to ears that are spiritual in nature that won't get opened by any logical explanation. We're seeing this in our country today ruthlessly going through our country where there are things that people should just naturally look at and see and go, wait a second, that's not, that's not right. And yet our eyes are blind to it and our ears are deaf to it because there is a spiritual intersect here. Happened today at baptism. It happens in worship. In, in, in worship, our prayers impact the spiritual and the enemy moves spiritually to blind eyes to the spiritual the enemy moves to drag us away in the lust of our flesh and glorifies the desires of the flesh and holds us in addictions that the that the that defy the flesh you understand that in in, in many many addictions they tell us that it's, it's very very clear that after so many days after so the physical addiction is broken This takes so many days for the physical addictions to be cleared up. And yet, the recidivism rate of people going back into those addictions, even after the physical addiction is broken, in many cases is extremely high. Why? Because there's a spiritual component to the battle that also has to be won. This grandma invaded the spiritual world, and because of it, Because of it, one of her granddaughters has not given her heart to God. With these boys, 
I was powerless. I didn't understand the depth of the spiritual battle I was walking into that day. And we can be powerless when we don't understand that depth. In worship, we enter into the spiritual. We invite you to come in. God tells us to give him worship and praise. And as we worship him and praise him, as we reach out to him, he strengthens us. He moves in our spirit. He helps clarify, helps us see right and wrong. He moves in our life. In prayer, we move into the spiritual. As we pray in the spiritual realms, God hears us and God begins to move to answers. In moments like this, as the word of God goes out, we have the chance to enter into the spiritual, to say to God, God, let me understand what you would have in my life. And the word of God begins to cut through the things that, that confuse our life and begins to reveal to us how we're to act in the natural and how we're to live in the spiritual. A communion and giving and on and on. The ties between the spiritual and the naturals is laid out for us in the word so that we will be a spiritual people. When we begin to see what the Christmas story reveals and what the rest of Scripture reveals about being a spiritual people as well as a natural physical people, then we begin to understand how to influence what's going on in the spiritual realm around us. We leave hopelessness behind we leave despair behind, and we begin to experience the Spirit of God. Listen, I, I want to tell you, there's some, some of you here, very well-intentioned. It's very well-intentioned. You're trying to control things. You're trying to fix things. You're trying to talk your way through things. And may, maybe, maybe some of that's necessary, but the bottom line of it is until you get a hold of the spiritual in it, there's not going to be any victory. But glory be to God, he's given us authority. He's given us authority to pray. He's given us authority to talk to him. He says he will answer our prayers as we walk. In. He says, if you abide in me and you let my word abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be given unto you. Now, here's the problem. We use that to get new cars. Or we think we do. But until we abide in him, and in the abiding in him, our desires get changed. And all of a sudden, new cars don't mean that much. New things don't, new things don't mean, what really means something is a granddaughter coming to Christ. Until our desires get in line with his, until we are abiding in him and his word is abiding in us, that's the condition to the promise. But when we get that condition and we understand it and we become obedient to him, see, there's two parts. Of this. I've got to abide in him. And then the second part of it, of it is his word has to abide in us. What does that mean? That means I have to be living an obedient life to him because if I'm not, I'm leaving a door open in my life for the enemy to rush in and bring destruction. The virgin birth, the Spirit creating in the flesh is the key truth 
of the great glory of the Christmas story. This is where the door for the eternal life is opened. This is where, see, without this, he's just another guy like the rest of us. But because of this, he is fully God and fully man. He can live on this earth. And even though the, the enemy can tempt him from the outside, he doesn't have the sin nature that rules him on the inside. And he can walk in victory and give himself for us willingly so that you and I can be born again, so that our spirits can be transformed. In Romans chapter 3, it says this, the righteousness from God, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Who gets the righteousness of God? Those who put their faith in Jesus. He says, there is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are born with a, a nature of sin. That's what we're born into. What does that mean? We are, what it means is we are spiritually in the spirit realm. We are disconnected from God. Our spirit is not connected. So we live life by our own spirit. We live life our own way. Sin basically is living our way instead of God's way. We live life by our own heart, by our own spirit, broken. This condition is impossible for us to fix in the physical. That's the whole, the whole point of the law is you can't do this on your own. You can't keep this on your own. It's impossible for us to fix. We are inclined to doing life as we feel like it and then justifying our actions and saying we're okay, everybody's okay, surround myself with a bunch of people who act and think like I do and we can all sit around and confirm to each other that we're all going to heaven and it's a big fat lie. Sin comes natural. And because of it, we fall short of the glory of God, of revealing his power, of walking in his wisdom, of knowing and seeing the spiritual things that he does in our life, we fall short. This world reveals the corruption of the flesh. Can't you see it? Look around. Look at the world we live in. Look at the things that are happening around us. The wor- this world reveals the corruption of the flesh. The Christmas story is the story of God invading the natural with the spiritual so that the natural can be made whole by the spirit of the living God. That is our hope and that is the glory of God revealed in the Christmas season. It's God showing his love for us by sending his son to rescue us. And we invite him to come into our life and he sets us free. Let's stand together today and let's pray.
Father, I thank you for the men and women here today. And I, I just pray once again that you would help us to be spiritual people. Help us to be a people who are not merely religious, but help us to be a people who begin to understand where the spiritual invades our life and tries to drag us away in the lusts of the flesh and where your spirit moves in our life to draw us to righteousness. Father, in our families, in our homes, let's begin to see how the enemy would move in our children's lives, how it would move in our marriages. And Lord, instead of just being pushed to and fro, help us, Father, to walk with your word in us and, Father, walk fully in you and let us, Father, overcome the influence of the enemy. Let us see the spiritual. Father, as we walk through our time as a church family together, let us see how the enemy would divide us, how he would separate us, how he would build animosity between us. And let us see, Father, how your Son has come to unite us and to strengthen us and to build love and support share and strengthen one another. And Father, as we walk through our nations, we look at the headlines of the day and we look at the arguments of the day and the cultural influences of the day. Let us become aware of what the spirit of the enemy is trying to do and aware of where the answer lies. Let us become the people of worship, the people of prayer, the people of your word, and let our eyes, Father, awaken us. Let our eyes be awakened today. Let our eyes be open today to the spiritual battles that we are in that are influencing our lives. Let us not miss it, for we know when we don't see it, we are helpless in it. Help us, we pray, and guide us, we pray. Now, Lord, we know that the enemy moves to blind the eye of the unbeliever so they don't see the light of the gospel. And we pray that today, Father, your spirit would speak to every one of our hearts and either affirm in us that we have been born again or convict us that we need to be born again. That the very reason we desire some of the things we desire in life is because our spirit is walking broken from you and the sin nature rules in us. Father, in Jesus' name, do your work in us, we pray. And let every person receive by faith the work that Jesus has done for them, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Just say, Pastor, as you've talked today, the Spirit of God's been speaking to me, and I know I need to get my heart right with God. I need to ask Christ into my life today. I need to do this right now. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm giving you just a second. God bless you. I see this hand. Anyone else today? Anyone else today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my trust in Jesus to be my Lord. Put my faith in Jesus 
to be my Savior. Now help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I just take this moment and I pray that over this week, even today in this room, that you would spark in every one of us the boldness, the courage, the passion to invite people that we know are far from your son to come to the Christmas program next week. Father, just stir it in us. Let us push together. And Lord, through this week as we pray, we pray you prepare their hearts and as they come into this program that many would give their heart to your son and receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, let us do our part in the natural so that your part in the spiritual can take place. Help every one of us to move in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mass prayer teams to come down to the front. We're going to close this service just opening the altars to anyone who needs prayer. Maybe you're discovering some spiritual issue in your family, in your life. You just want somebody to agree with you. Maybe you're going through a health issue. Listen, prayer changes things. It invades the spiritual realm and changes things. Before you leave, come down, let somebody pray for you. If you raise your hand, come on down, let somebody pray for you. And, and they'll, they'll strengthen you and encourage you as well. We love you. I love you. Let your eyes be open. Some of the troubles you're facing are not going to be solved until you begin to get actively involved in the spiritual things.